This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show. Realistically, right now, are the Yankees the team that's closest to a championship in this city? I, I, I don't think so. They can't be. Given the state of affairs with this franchise, how can you look at them and say, oh yeah, this team is close to winning the title? We were joking last night about the parade down the Canyon of Heroes. When are you going to see that again? If you're a fan of this team and you watch this team, Tell me right now, what do you think the plan is? What is the plan for this baseball team moving forward? Because as hard as I try, I can't figure it out. They can't even get their story straight when they try to sit there and spew out information to people. And it leaves you scratching your head more so than you did before you even sat down to listen to them speak. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, indeed. Hour number two on a Wednesday Rasa Show, 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number at Dan Grasses where you can get me on Twitter. Yanks with a 5-2 lead. Anthony Volpe, a two-run blast. Giancarlo Stanton, the big guy, with a three-run blast as the Yanks have scored five unanswered runs. That's about a week's worth of offense for them. And they lead 5-2 to two in the fourth inning. Still a lot of baseball to play here. But now Garrett Cole's got some run support. He's got a cushion. We'll see if he can hold the lead. The Mets, well, who's left of them at least, they're going to be in Kansas City again this evening to take on the Royals. Kodai Senga going to get the baseball. And who knows, at this point next year, I mean, we could be talking about Kodai Senga as the ace of the Mets staff, depending on how active or inactive they're going to be in the offseason. We'll hear from the owner in just a minute. But, you know, I even – tweeted this out last night it's isn't it amazing and I know the Mets have had a star-crossed history right anybody who's been a fan could tell you that Mets and Astros make a big deal yesterday Justin Verlander goes back to Houston so what happens at night when both of those teams have to play baseball the Astros (laughs) the Astros throw a no-hitter by Framber Valdez who in his own right is a really really damn good pitcher they get the no-hitter and what happens with the Mets game They blow a lead to the Kansas City Royals, the crummy Kansas City Royals, and somebody by the name of Josh Walker comes in the game in extra innings and without even throwing a pitch is called for a balk, which brings home the game-winning run. So the Mets lose on a walk-off balk, and the Astros throw a no-hitter. That's all you need to know right now as to where the Mets are and where the rest of baseball is, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, look, the dust is settled. The smoke has actually stopped billowing from the rubble at City Field, right? After the fire sale, it's over with. This is who the Mets are the rest of the season. And then we'll see how different they're going to look once opening day 2024 rolls around. But Steve Cohen is the owner. He is the architect. It is his money. He is the one that allowed this fire sale to take place and kind of helped it out, right? By allowing the Mets to get a pretty decent return compared to what ordinarily you would get for some aging players that are making a lot of money. So Steve trying to make sense again of what happened this season, why the Mets are a team that is sitting there six games under 500, going to miss the playoffs this year, why they didn't live up to expectations, and the owner is still staying steadfast on the whole thing of, saying on the manager, it's on the guys in the uniform out on the field. Listen, I, I don't, I don't put it on Buck. You know, I, I put it on the player, right? You know, I think. You know, listen, I think we're hitting in some bad luck. I think, you know, some things that happened that were probably just the opposite of last year. But it's kind of unfair to put it on the manager. Okay, I mean, that's, I think that's unfair. All right, and what about the trades that the Mets made at the deadline? 
we thought. We got a great return for what you know the, the people that we ended up trading, and and uh, we weren't sure that was going to happen. I would have kept the players. It turned out it was going to be a you know mediocre return. You know that was the opportunity. It turned out that it's a moment in time where other clubs are thinking very short term, and I was thinking more intermediate long term. And so you know I, I was able to take advantage of that. That, that that's an interesting comment. All right, and if you're a Met fan, you might be skeptical. You might not be. You might actually take the owner at his word. But think about what he just said there. If the return was not going to be what they ended up getting, he would have balked and held on to these players, which is also dicing in the sense that would it really have behooved the Mets to keep these guys because I think they made the right decision. Holding on to these old pitchers right now, for example, was not going to change the Mets' fortunes for the remainder of the season. It wouldn't have. And I don't see how a year older, once 2024 rolls around, that those guys would have been any better and this team would have been any different. I don't believe that. But would that have been the right move? That if you didn't get some good prospect capital in return to just stand pat? Hmm. What about the expectations in 2024 for this team? You know, I can't speak to what, you know, what's going to happen in the offseason. I mean, there may be opportunity. I'm opportunistic, okay? I mean, I don't want to roll a team out there that we're going to be embarrassed by. But we also know that, you know, spending a fortune, you know, everyone says I spent a lot of money, and other teams did too, doesn't guarantee you a trip to the playoffs. And so I think we got to, you know, look and see what we need. Naturally, and, and, and as we know, it's not going to guarantee you a trip to the playoffs because it didn't work out for them, Right. Also, Steve also wants to convey the message to everybody out there that they want to be competitive in 2024. Yeah, obviously we're going to need starting pitching, and that's the key thing. Other than that, you know, our relief pitching is going to be, you know, we, you know, we got Edwin coming back, you know, Brooks is here, Otto's here. We, you know, we got our core, right? The, the, the baby Mets are going to be a year older. So I, I'm not as negative, okay? I mean, it won't be a star-studded team as it was, but, you know, star-stars don't necessarily make, make for wins. And, but I think we're going to be highly competitive. we got to pump the brakes a little bit on this whole Baby Mets thing, okay? Because outside of Alvarez, what have the other guys shown you? You know, Beatty is up there scuffling like nobody's business. Way too inconsistent. Um, Mark Vientos, if they let him play, I mean, it's still way too early to figure it out. But am I, like, super confident that those two other guys are going to be everyday players for the Mets next year? No. Alvarez, we know, is going to be the catcher. But the other guys, who the heck knows? You know, is Ronnie Mauricio going to get an opportunity to get called up at some point before the end of the season? I would hope so. And the other thing you got to remember is this, too, especially when it comes to somebody like Steve Cohen, who isn't afraid to go out on a limb and make a big move or a bold move. So they're stockpiling this farm system, and even the guys that they have in the, in the minor leagues right now, Maybe even some of the guys that I just mentioned, say for Francisco Alvarez. Nothing is going to preclude the Mets from going out there in the offseason and attaching one or two of these highly regarded prospects and use them in a trade to bring back a major league caliber player that can help them. I'm just saying that is an option that they have in front of them as well. What about Steve Cohen here on Billy Epler and Buck Showalter? You know something, Billy's done a great, I think, listen, as you witness at the trade deadline, I think Billy did a phenomenal job, okay? Buck working hard. You know, I got a three-year contract with Buck, and we're a year and a little over a half in. So we're, you know, we're, we're status quo. And do you expect to Buck back in 2024? 
you know, anything's possible, but, you know, you know, I got a three-year contract with Buck, and, I, you know, we're, you know, Buck's, Buck's doing, working his ass off, doing a good job. Well, he kind of leaves the door open a little bit there, saying that anything is possible. And again, you know, it's a two-way street. Maybe Buck will be in a situation where, you know, if this is going to be a long slog, if you will, next year, and maybe the Mets aren't going to be a team loaded with talent and is going to be a little bit of a rebuild situation, maybe Buck doesn't want to sit there and babysit next year. You know, Buck's made enough money. He could go live comfortably. He could go, you know, put his feet up, play with the grandkids, do whatever, go fishing, go swimming, whatever he does for fun. Golf, you know, instead of having to sit there and watch this up close for 162 games. What about Pete Alonzo? Pete Alonzo, as we know, has only one more year of control, and that is in 2024. What is Pete Alonzo's future in a Met uniform? We love Pete as a Met. You know, he, he's an integral part of the Mets. You know, he's still still with us for another year. Listen, we hope we work things out. I mean, even with Brandon, we work things out in free agency. So, you know, hopefully we'll get a few shots at the apple and try to figure it out. I, for one, did not think that going into last offseason that Brandon Nimmo would be back as a Met because I thought there'd be too many suitors, and there were suitors for him. And I thought that they would, some team that maybe – you know, wasn't as ready to win as, let's say, we thought the Mets were at the end of last season. I thought that they would blow him out of the water and make him an offer too good to refuse, and he would leave. But instead, he came back, and the Mets had to up their price. You know, they're paying him $162 million. That's a lot of money for somebody like a Brandon Nimmo. But Alonzo, you know, again, they may decide to just completely shock us and trade him away with a year of control to bring back multiple assets. Now, I don't think that would be necessarily the right path, but you never know. Do you want to sign Pete long-term, Steve? I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about private conversations, but what I will say is, you know, Pete is a, is a great man. You know how I like talking about reality, right? I always like to just incorporate that into whatever one of these conversations we had. Here's the fact of the matter for the Mets. And believe me, I wish I, was, I, I, I wish I was as wrong as anybody. But it's the truth. Remember earlier in the season when the Mets were kind of scuffling about the first two months? And a lot of people were, you know, trying to be a little bit more sunny and optimistic. And they were saying, well, you know what? There's a lot of season left, guys. You know, it's still way too premature. They'll get this thing together. They got too much talent, blah, 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 blah. There were too many warning signs that I didn't like what I was seeing, and that's why I wasn't very confident early on. And I floated out this theory earlier in the year that, you know, yeah, they won 101 games last year. I get it. But given the Mets' recent track record, what if last season and those 101 wins, that was the fluke? That was the outlier. What if that was the one that should, you know, what if last season was the Mets' version of Haley's Comet? Shows up once in a blue moon. Because other than last year, I mean, the Mets have been a pretty disappointing team. Losing record in 17. Losing record in 18. 19, they were okay, but they still only finished in third place in their division. Okay? 2020, I'm not going to count that. That was a Fugazi 60-game season, but they had a losing record. 21, they had a losing record. Last year, 101 wins. We know how it ended. This year... I'd be shocked if they don't have a losing record. So, since they last went to the playoffs there in 2016, one, two, 
three, four, five out of seven years, they're going to have losing seasons. How can a Met fan not be skeptical? How's a Met fan supposed to be confident? This is who they are. This is what they do. And the only difference is now you got an owner that spends a lot of money and can maybe cover up some of his mistakes just by writing checks. But you know what? That's not necessarily pleasing to Met fans right now because there's a lot of Met fans, and I've heard from them, that aren't happy with Steve Cohen today because they think he waved the white flag too soon on this season, which I think is completely irresponsible to think like that. Completely. He admitted a mistake, he recognized the mistake, and he tried to fix it as best as possible. Now, it can't happen overnight. It's going to take a couple of years. But that's what the Mets are trying to do. And that's what Steve Cohen's trying to do. How long will it take? We'll talk about it. Thoughts on the Mets, the deadline, and the last week that they've had. Coming up next, 800-919-3776. Grasso Show, we roll till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Cashman the genius standing pat at the deadline. The answers are in that room. You bet your ass they are. Yeah! Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 5-2 Yanks. They go to the fifth inning in the boogie down. Mets and Royals just underway in Kansas City because, well, baseball put it on the schedule, so they got to play the game. Nothing more, nothing less. But that's what they're doing. All right, we're talking Mets now. And like I said, when these trades are made for prospects, you don't know what you're getting. And it's foolish to sit there and grade a trade to that extent like as soon as it happens. To me, it's no different than the draft, right? Everybody wants to sit there and assign grades to the NFL draft when the weekend is over. How'd this team do? How'd this team do? Oh, well, they got this guy. You don't know for two, three years. You got to let these guys actually have a career before you know how well the team did in picking them. So when it comes to prospects... It's even more dangerous because looking in the case with the Mets, they got dudes who were teenagers in some cases. They're kids. You don't know what they're going to grow into. You don't know what their bodies are going to develop into. You don't know where their skills or their game is going to morph into. It's so irresponsible to do it. But yet these publications, they make a living on this stuff, and so they still have to sit there and rank players based on ability, ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. So when you look at the Mets' prospect rankings, 
with everything that they've done in the last week. Right now, four of the top ten prospects in the Mets organization were not even Mets this time a week ago. So what that tells me is basically what we all knew already. The Met farm system was not highly regarded as one of the best in Major League Baseball. It wasn't. It was at best, at best, and I am saying best generously, middle of the pack, and more likely probably bottom third, if you want to be realistic about it. So now, four of the top ten in the Mets organization are with the group after all of these trades. I saw some publication, and I followed them all. I can't remember which one it was. They had the Mets farm system now, after all these trades were made, ranked as the 11th best minor leagues in all of baseball. That's not bad. If you went from bottom third to knocking on the door of top 10, hey, money well spent as far as the owner is concerned. But it's an inexact science, right? Because every organization has had guys who are can't miss. Every organization has had players that are going to be part of a dynasty moving forward for this organization. And the tricky part about it, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, who's to say these guys are ever going to play a game in the major leagues is Mets. They might get traded to another organization before they even make it to the bigs, right? But for the time being, if you wanted to be objective about it, and I'm being objective, I'm being as honest as possible. Were the Mets going to win a World Series this year? No. Were the Mets going to win a World Series next year? Probably not. Not when you had two 40-year-old pitchers leading this rotation. It wasn't going to happen. Because as you get older, your skills erode. You don't get better. They get worse. And this team looked old. This team looks... A lot of the characteristics the Yankees have shown this year. Let's be honest. Except the Mets were even a pricier version of it. So the point being that if the Mets weren't going to win a World Series over the next two years, when they are ready to win again, were Verlander and Scherzer going to be part of this group? No. But some of these youngsters, potentially, they could be key members of a championship club, whether that's three years down the road, four years, whatever. These guys could do more winning for the Mets than Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander were going to do. That wasn't the plan, but that became the reality. And you have to adjust off of that. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Tommy in Long Island, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. How are you doing, Tommy, how are you? I'm all right. Hanging in there. Um, I got to ask you a question about... What's the Mets going to do about their pitching next year? And I want to ask you about the Zets. That's okay. Let me ask you a question. You're a Met fan. You have yeah. any bullets? Le- you have any bullets left in that arm, or no? You think you could maybe give them a few starts next year, Tom? What do you think? Well, well, well I have a couple of my thirty-eight. Well, I, I mean, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get that into the stadium, though. So I would maybe refrain from that. Mm. I know, of course. Well, look here. Here's uh, what you got for the Mets next year. The guys who are in this rotation right now, Kodai Senga, he'll be yeah, here. I'm watching him now. Jose Quintana still has one more year on the contract. I don't know if he's trade bait in the offseason, but that is a guy that's still under contract for you next year. Best case scenario, they're going to have to replace probably three guys in that I starting know. rotation. It sure as hell ain't going to be Dave Peterson. It sure as hell ain't going to be Tyler McGill. They're going to have Thank to get you. creative to bring in Thank some pitchers. You. 
Where are you going to get her from? I mean, what's out there, uh, Dan? Well, you go to uh, Dwayne Reed. You know, you go to the mall, see if you can find these guys. You know, in aisle six. <laughs> look, I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to spend. Okay, but if you look at the right. the the big name free agent pitchers next year in baseball, forget about Otani. Otani's not right. coming here, especially not now, given the fact the Mets are not going to be a World Series favorite over well, the next couple of years. Well, I don't think so either. Well, he wants to be on the West Coast, right? And he wants but, to be on the West Coast. But here are the other guys: Blake Snell, who really doesn't do anything for me; uh, Aaron right. Nola, who to me is way too hit or miss from Philadelphia. Julio Urias from the Dodgers, who's okay, but I've never really been a big fan of his. Those are the three big free agent pitchers. You want to say maybe you sign one out of those three? How about yeah, that? Yeah, maybe. Uh, can I ask you about the Jets? I, I, I mean, Tom, we're here. We're having a conversation. Why the hell not, right? Uh, how you doing, buddy? Uh, what do you think about the Jets this year? You think, hey, what do you think about Hard Knocks and all that kind of crap? I mean, look, Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks is temporary, right? It's only going to be yeah. here for a few more weeks till the end of the month. First episode is on on Tuesday. Look forward to that. Um, that, that, that well, that's not gonna, yeah. Hard Knocks ain't going to make or break the Jets season. I wouldn't worry about that. The thing you got to worry about is opening day is, what, a month and nine days away on September 11th. You want to hope you get through these four preseason games and training camp in one piece. That's all you got to worry about. And if they could get to week one healthy, I'll take my chances with this team. As I said a little while ago, and I think this is a pretty big indicator just how far the Jets have come, the fact that your first-round pick is somebody that you are not needing to go out there and make a huge impact for you this year tells you how much depth you have on this roster. And that's a credit to Joe Douglas in building up this team. I know that 2020 draft right now is not looking all that good. It could be salvaged a little bit if Mekhi Becton is able to have a big season and, and, you know, live up to some of those expectations as a top-flight tackle. But they drafted pretty damn good last year, right? They got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, a couple of other players as well. That laid the foundation for getting Aaron Rodgers. I know that everybody points to Rodgers as being the big difference maker, and rightfully so. He's the quarterback. But remember, if you didn't have that foundation from last year's draft class with that young talent, Rodgers ain't looking at the Jets as a destination. Because at this stage of his career at 40 years old, Aaron Rodgers wants to go someplace to win. And he looked at this roster, he looked at the talent, and said, you know what, I think I could win here. Danny in Long Island is up next here on 98.7. Daniel, good evening. How are you? Before we get to baseball, speaking of football, the season yep. cannot get here quick enough. And as a Steeler fan who does not have the Jets or Giants on my schedule, I wish them nothing but the best. I hope they win 13 games each because, <clears throat> boy, does the New York sports fan need something. The thought of a Met fan having put up with this and then maybe things go haywire is too much to bear. They would be lining up at the Brooklyn Bridge. It would be terrible. So we please, for the love of sports, God, let the Jets and the Giants have a great can I, season. Dan, can I tell you something? I actually think your team is a sneaky, sneaky playoff pick this year. The only problem with the Steelers is that they're in the wrong division because you have two tremendous all-pro quarterbacks. You have a third quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who was on a, I'm not going to say Hall of Fame trajectory, but had remarkable up- opening. If he returns to his past abilities – 
we, you are talking about probably the, I don't remember a division with three quarterbacks. So you got to play six games right there. They were a little lucky with the division this year, with the out of conference schedule is easier than, and the, so they have an easier schedule. So yes, making the playoffs and picket approving would be a great year for the Steelers. They don't have to win a Super Bowl. Just keep advancing forward. Now on to the uh, issue at hand. But you know, Dan, you're right about that. But I'll just say this. The Steelers have their own history going for them, and more often than not, that's good enough. Oh, and by the way, everybody predicted gloom and doom for them last year, right? Tomlin has never had a losing season as a head coach. You still had a winning season, right? It's nine a, it's and eight, incredible. and you have a good coach. You have, and everybody talks about the the quarterbacks in the AFC. You look at the coaching: Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Tomlin. Belichick, you know, you had some up-and-coming guys. You got some guys that don't believe it. I don't believe the Buffalo coach. The guy in Cincinnati I do like. So, and the guy the guy in San Diego, how he kept his job after losing a 30-point oh, lead or something. Please. I don't like him. So, please. coaching is the underrated thing, and it's all, and they got it in the AFC as well. Now, and the quarterbacks. Past- Remember, it's a, quarter, it's a quarterback, and that's the other thing about the AFC in general. It's a quarterback league in the NFL. And if we're going to sit and we're going to go over a quarterback list a little bit later on in the show tonight, as a matter of fact, but if we're just making an arbitrary list of the top 10 QBs in the game, I would say right now about eight of them are on the AFC side of things. It's, um, it's, I've never seen the imbalance so great. I mean, I love to see what the uh, interconference record is. I mean, it's just, it's just mind boggling that every free agent seems to gravitate towards these AFC teams. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, it's like I said, as long as my quarterback stays on his feet and I has a good season and progresses, that's all we're looking for. And uh, defense is top top level defense, and uh, we'll see what happens. They're building a picket fence for him. They put a lot of offensive linemen in. That's our new thing in Pittsburgh. We have a picket fence. Keep this guy on his feet, and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, as far as the Mets are concerned, I've been listening mm-hmm. for three days. In my former profession, they used to say, "Let the body get cold before the autopsy," because you, it's too emotional. And now, you know, for argument's sake, let me take Billy Epler's side of the argument here. Yeah. He didn't screw up. He brought in Scherzer. And it, well, Scherzer had one good year. He brought in Verlander. Verlander might have been the best performer on the team. The entire starting nine underperformed. So at the end of last year, we needed, we needed Verlander and we brought in Robinson. If we had the same offensive statistics that we had last year, and we added Verlander and Robinson. We're in the we're in the playoffs. We had our closer go down. Uh, the second baseman McNeil looks like he's a shell of himself. He's wobbling around on his ankles. Lindor, I've had it. He's had one month coming out of the All Star game last year where he batted about three fifty. If you look at his splits monthly, he has been a major disappointment on the amount of money that he's making. Al- Alonzo, great home run hitter. You can pitch to him, and he's batting about two and a quarter. Uh, Nimmo, who I loved, and nobody in New York thought Nimmo was going to be as good as he was last year. Really, the the essence of letting a guy develop and getting a couple of 400 at bat seasons, he's batting about 60 points less than he was last year. So next year, the only people I want to see on the Mets roster opening day is the catcher, Alonzo. I think Beatty can play. He's shown maturity. He's got to, again. You got to give him time. He's got a higher average in the Yankee shortstop, right? So let's you know, and, and he's not in a home run friendly ballpark. Nemo's sticking around. Uh, they could trade Lindor for a piece and give a, a, an up-and-coming shortstop. No shot. They, no, Dan, they know, can't trade Lindor. They, they can't trade Lindor. It's too, the contract is, I, is I agree with trading. I, I agree with trading Verlander if you're not going to play next year because you're not going to compete. What's the point of having it? It's like in the NFL, you don't need a top-notch safety 
unless you're going for the Super Bowl. It's wasted money on the cap because you have a great safety. He's the cherry on top of a Sunday. You know, so it's like I, I was disappointed in the whole season. It really is mind-boggling how it all shook out. But now, you know what? You want to break it down? You want to get some studs down in the minor leagues? I'm all for it. Maybe we take – I don't know what's going to happen next year. But Epler, like I said, when you look at the ballpark, the, the team last year, and that, that starting nine, you added a, the, the best pitcher available. And he did his job. Verlander did his job. Started with an injury, but he did his job. David Robinson did his job. The starter, the closer got hurt, and nobody on that roster performed according to the plan. That's well, not that was, on that and, and, Dan, that's the problem. And I thank you for the phone call. i got to hit a break here. But the difference is, you know, you can't play just baseball on paper and think that everything is going to show up the way you want it to. Guys have to go out there and perform. And there's four guys, maybe, you know, so you can say almost a handful of guys who were big players for this team last year that are a shell of that this season and all contributing to the fact that the Mets now blew this thing up. We'll talk about that when we return. We'll get into the football as well. But in particular, you know, the postscript on Max Scherzer, I threw something out there the other day, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the air. I want to do that when I return about these veteran Hall of Fame pitchers who are now ex-Mets. 800-919-3776. Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. In case you're just joining us, in case you're just tuning in, Domingo Herman is done for the rest of the season for the Yankees. Um, he's going to enter inpatient uh, treatment for alcohol problems. So you wish him the best as a person. And Brian Cashman said he's not going to be a Yankee again for the rest of the year. So that being the case, you know, we all sat here as of a couple of days ago and speculated about Luis Severino, right, and what his future was going to be in this rotation. And when Nestor Cortez is set to return in a couple of weeks, whether or not Seve would be the, the odd man out. And I, based on merit, you kind of had to feel that way because he hadn't pitched well enough like somebody that deserves to be in the rotation any longer. But now with Herman gone, Severino's going to get a shot, and he's still here to stick around. So that is where things stand with the Yankees. But, you know, Max Scherzer – 
Met career is over. Justin Verlander, same with him. And before there was any indication that Verlander would get traded, right when Scherzer got moved over the weekend, you know, I began to think about, boy, is Max Scherzer just going to be remembered as another one of these Hall of Fame pitchers whose best days were not in a Mets uniform? And there have been others too, right? You know, Tom Glavin is somebody that comes to mind. Tom Glavin pitched in one postseason for the Mets in 2006. He was okay. He was good. He was good in the postseason in 06. Did his job, right? And he had some good moments with the Mets. You know, made the all-star team, I think, one or two times, if I'm not mistaken. But all anybody remembers from Tom Glavin is the final game he pitched in a Mets uniform in 2007 at Shea Stadium in that season finale against the Marlins when they had to win the game to make the playoffs and, and, and – Glavin went out there, and the game was essentially over in the first inning because he just imploded. So here you had a guy like Tom Glavin who was a Met killer throughout much of his career when he wore an Atlanta Brave uniform. Killed the Mets when he wasn't wearing a Met uniform, and in the biggest game he ever pitched as a Met, killed the Mets in a Met uniform. So a lot of people hold that against Tom Glavin. Now you got Max Scherzer, and there's a lot of similarities. Right? Was a Washington National. How many times did he stick it to the Mets all those years in a Nationals uniform? He even threw a no-hitter against the Mets in 2015, although I don't know if too many people cared about that one because that was already late in the season. It was like the final weekend, and the Mets had already clinched the NL East that year, so you didn't even really care what the hell happened. But Max Scherzer was a great pitcher for the Nationals and dominated the Mets. Dominated them. I mean, during those years, like there was probably no pitcher that you hated going up against more if you were a Met fan than Max Scherzer because they could never do anything against him because he was really, really good. So he killed them when he wasn't wearing a Met uniform, puts on a Met uniform, and the two biggest games he ever pitched as a Met last year in that final series in Atlanta where they needed one game to win the division, and he got lit up. And then in the playoff game against the San Diego Padres, got lit up. Killed the Mets wearing a Met uniform. So that was the similarities that I drew between those two guys. Verlander was only here for five minutes. You can't even really say that he did or didn't do anything. All right, he was okay. He was starting to round into form. But he did miss the first month plus of the season. And he wasn't, look, he wasn't the same Verlander. I know that the numbers are going to show that, you know, he was having a good season and, you know, he wasn't awful. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that he was you know, a guy that you can't pitch. Of course not. He was good. But he wasn't dominant. You know, a 3-1-5 ERA, that's okay. But if you watch Verlander throughout his career, when he was at his absolute best, like last year with the Houston Astros, he was still far off from that guy. His strikeout rate plummeted this year. He did not have that put-away stuff that we're so used to seeing from Justin Verlander. It was a labor half the time. You know, Verlander would give you five innings and empty the tank needing 100 pitches for those five innings and, you know, put up zeros. Well, that's great, but... That's not what you're paying him $43 million a year to do to give you five innings and fly. So I put up a poll on Twitter over the weekend. Like, which pitcher do you think Met fans are going to remember more fondly, Tom Glavin or Max Scherzer? And I, I think it was an overwhelming win for Tom Glavin. And I would probably sign up for that. You know, even though it didn't end great in 2007, but, like, Glavin was here for, let's see, three, was it three, four, or four, five, six, what did he have, four years with the Mets, three years with the Mets? He was here twice as long as Scherzer was. You know, and he still had that run all the way to the National League Championship Series in 2006 where he pitched pretty well. 
Didn't finish on great terms, but I still think when push comes to shove, you're going to think of Glavin with more good moments than Scherzer had. And Scherzer wasn't a bad Met. You know, by and large, for a year and a half, he pitched well. It's just that in the two biggest spots, which is what you're giving him $43 million a year to do, he didn't come through for you. That was the difference. You know, Pedro Martinez was in that era too. You know, Pedro, of course, his best days were in a uniform other than the Mets. Red Sox, you know. He won a Cy Young with the Expos, let's not forget, before he got to Boston. So Montreal, Boston, those were his best days. But I thought Pedro was a good Met, you know, especially in that early going. That first year in 05 when he signed and Beltran signed helped kind of change the perception of the Mets a little bit. Pedro was good, especially that first year. And he was kind of – and you know, he wasn't bad in 06, and then Pedro got hurt. And I think one of the reasons why the Mets petered out and didn't make the World Series in 06 is because Pedro was hurt, El Duque got hurt in those playoffs, and they were literally just throwing anybody up there just to round out a rotation. Remember, they had to start John Main in the playoffs. They had to start Oliver Perez in these, these winner-take-all playoff games, but yet they somehow got all the way to Game 7 of the world uh, of the uh, NLCS. Right? But Pedro is, 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 is fondly remembered as a Met. You know, personality has a lot to do with it, and unfortunately it was the injuries that kind of spelled the end for him. going to be bizarre, you know? Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. When you think back to these two years with the Mets, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, and you think back to, you know, the 2022-2023 Mets, and you're like, wow, that was... Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. That was, that was something. It was an experiment, but it didn't work out. Tommy in Connecticut, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tommy, how are you? Hey, what's up, bud? Thomas, how are things? I am good. Oh, well, things are better. I would normally call, you know, bellyache about the Yankees, but they actually decided to put the ball in play and uh, actually over the outfield wall a couple of times. So Yeah, scored five runs tonight. Keep it going. Keep tacking on, right? Yeah, so so I got nothing to uh, complain about on that front, but I did want to bring up 
um, I guess this event that they're having uh, in Connecticut tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. called the Shoulder Check Showcase. Uh, it's in memory oh, the of Dave the young Maloney man. thing. Uh, yeah, so he was a goalie from Darien, lost his life way too young. I guess there's a, a bunch of Rangers that are going to be there. So just wanted to give it a little bit of shine. It's at the Terry Connors rink in Stanford. Um, yeah, should, really, really good, good cause. cause. Sorry, it's it's a tough story, like you said. We had and our buddy Dave Maloney is going to be there, uh, involved yep. with it. We had Dave on uh, a couple of weeks ago when Don and I were doing the K show, and you know to have him plug in and talk about it. It's really for a good cause, and anybody like Tommy said that could help out, they would be worth your while for sure. Yeah, it's just you know encouraging, you know, to just check in on your people's, you know, obviously, you know, young men, young young athletes, young women. Um, you know, a lot of pressure that they're under. So, and it, but at any age, just checking on your peoples. No doubt. Thanks, Dan. All right, Tom, you'll be good. That's Tommy wanted to get the message out, and uh, he's not wrong on that one. Definitely not. We come back. We'll transition. Do a little bit of football here because this time tomorrow night, when you put the station on, you're going to hear a football game, a real life football game between the Jets and the Cleveland Browns in the Hall of Fame game. We'll talk a little football and what we can expect to see from Robert Sala's team tomorrow night. Grasso Show till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. No expectations for him. Just go out there, just play, do what he's been doing in practice. Just show that confidence, the uh, timing, rhythm. Um, you know, he's been, he's been performing really well in practice. And so just take it to the field and... And uh, do the best you can. No expectations with the stats or anything like that. But uh, excited about the direction he's going. Um, but uh, just excited for him to get back on the field again. That is Robert Sala. He's the head coach of the Jets. He's excited about seeing Zach Wilson under center tomorrow. Zach is going to start the game, Hall of Fame game, against the Cleveland Browns in Canton, Ohio. And you can hear the game right here on 98.7 ESPN. The coverage is beginning at 7 o'clock with Greg and myself. And then Bob and Marty are going to have the call after that. We'll be around for the post-game show, of course. Game one of, well, at least 21 games that you're going to hear from the Jets this season. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hopefully more than 21 games. Because if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I don't even want to think about what that outcome is. Go home, go on vacation, go read a book, go do something. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you could do those things, but I don't think it's going to be a happy book. It's not going to be a happy, pleasurable reading experience. I can promise you that. But, all right, so tomorrow, look, it's the first preseason game. There's only two teams in the NFL that have to play this game. Everybody else is still over a week away from taking the field. So, I think if you are a fan of football and you've watched the Hall of Fame game or at least tried to watch the Hall of Fame game over the last few years, you'll realize that nobody plays in this game. No starters or players of great significance are going to see the field because it's not worth the risk, right? It is nowhere near as important as what lies ahead. So it's an extravaganza for the NFL. They want to have at least a little bit of a a spectacle for the Hall of Fame festivities on Saturday, which, by the way, public service announcement. Let me get this out there because I might be helping folks right now because I had to find this out on my own. I was today years old. When I found out that the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is coming up on Saturday, and there's a lot of local interest this year because Joe Klecko's going in, Darrell Revis is going in, the two Jets, right? It's going to be a very Jet-centric few days in Canton. I had no idea until today that the ceremonies 
are taking place in the afternoon. Normally it's yeah, there you go. Play the play the breaking news because I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this right now saying I had no idea. Normally it's a prime time thing under the lights. They make it a television spectacular. Twelve o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. And that's how it used to be. It used to be in the daytime, like when I was growing up and everything. But I would say for the last probably like close to 20 years, it's been at night. So Saturday afternoon at noon, that is when the Hall of Fame induction ceremony kicks off. Klecko, Revis, and a bunch of other guys. But you got the game tomorrow night. And Zach Wilson is going to be under center. And, you know, I've been out to camp a few times already. And Zach has looked okay. You know, he's shown he's, he's, he's shown some moments. Let's put it that way. But you're not going to get too crazy out of anything in training camp because it's training camp. And they're not going to put a hand on him. There's no contact. Even if the pass rush shows up, it's not going to be something where, you know, he's in any danger of going down because he's wearing the red non-contact jersey. And that has really been the issue for Zach so far in his NFL career. You know, he's looked good in practice at times. I mean, his first two training camps, he looked good. Hell, his first preseason, remember, when he was a rookie. Up at Lambeau Field, as a matter of fact. I remember that game that they played against the Packers. He looked really, really good. And he's slinging the ball all over the place, and you're thinking, wow, like, this kid might have something. But then the game started for real, and it was a different story. But what you hope in year number three for this kid is that he does feel more comfortable in the pocket. And maybe the offense and the game itself is starting to slow down for him. Because if it's not, then he really is beyond saving. Because whether you like it or not, and whether you feel comfortable with it or not, and look, ask a Jet fan right now. Zach Wilson's your backup quarterback. Season starts tomorrow, Zach Wilson's your backup. God forbid anything happens to Aaron Rodgers, he's the guy that's getting the call. It ain't going to be Tim Boyle. All right, it ain't going to be Tim Boyle. And you don't want it to be Tim Boyle. Trust me. Okay, nice guy, but that ain't the dude you want under center with uh, things mattering. It's a nice way to put it. Chris Trevler's a nice story, but he ain't going to be the guy either. Right now, it's Zach. Now, I don't expect Zach to turn into somebody that was worthy of the number two overall pick overnight. Despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers is here and Rodgers has been pulling him aside and working with him and giving him these pointers and all those things, he's just going to go out there and play, right? Because whatever Aaron Rodgers is telling him, don't you think the coaches have been telling him this stuff for the last two years or whatever, and yet he hasn't been able to translate that onto the field when given the opportunity? So will this year be any different? If you're a Jet fan, and this is no disrespect to Zach, but if you're a Jet fan, you hope you don't even know the answer to that question and are not going to find it out this year. Because you hope he never plays. You know, it'd be great. You know what game actually would be great if Aaron or if uh, Zach Wilson played? How about the last game of the season in New England against the Patriots? Because that means the Jets have the the playoff spot already clinched, and they want to give Aaron Rodgers a little bit of a break in the regular season finale, which means nothing for them. How about that? You got the. How about they clinched the division already? And they go up into Foxborough, game means nothing, and then Zach could play. And he could go up there and throw the ball 35 times and maybe, maybe get some revenge from those two games against the Patriots last year that the Jets were on the short end of the stick of. The one where Zach threw all those interceptions at MetLife Stadium. And the second one where he played very poorly in the second half, and they probably should have sat him in favor of Mike White. But that's neither here nor there. What about Dalvin Cook? 
Is he going to be wearing a Jet uniform anytime soon? We'll get into that when we return. Plus, we'll talk about the elite quarterbacks and where they stack up around the NFL. Grasso Show for another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN.